Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. After a number of months in, uh, in Ephesians, we're entering that uh, great last chapter. <clears throat> but even so, uh, these, the, today's message and next uh, really are in, in the same mode, in the same subject matter of uh, the last several. Even though those were about marriage, these are all about human relationships and how, how they're different in the new community. Uh, so vividly we have seen down in uh, Charleston, have we not? How different the new community responds to trials and, and tragedy. May we be as faithful, even as we have just sung, when it is our time to have trials, to uh, be that different, not because we're trying to be different, but because we are responding uh, in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And it will, by definition, be different than the rest of the world. Now, that's the case when it comes to human relationships as well. And uh, we saw several weeks ago when we were looking at uh, chapter 5, verse 21, where it talks about submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. And uh, I told you, I I'm, was and I am convinced that that's the umbrella verse. It's a connecting verse between what just came before about walking in the Spirit but it is also an umbrella verse for that which comes next. And what comes next are the various relationships. And then he talks about, okay, if we are all in relationships of submission one to another, what does it look like for a, a wife? What does it look like for a husband? And now, today, we're going to see what it looks like for children but also for fathers, for parents. So let's give our attention to this uh, brief text, remembering uh, the context, verse 21, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, even what we have talked about so far can only go so far when it's our own strength. And that's why you tell us that this is about walking in your spirit. Will you enable us, Lord, 
to see where these relationships fit with our lives, how we can honestly and genuinely walk as the new community before a world that is, is watching, whether they admit it or not. They're looking to see how we respond to things. And so, Lord, we utterly need you. Will you be our teacher in these moments? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what I want to do. First of all, I want to talk to you children who are here in the sanctuary. I know, that's scary. I see some of you going, whoa, what, what did we do? Did he see me earlier, you know? No, not at all. Do you ever, have you ever felt left out, you know, like, like you want to ride this roller coaster and you're not 42 inches tall yet? And so you have to stand there and watch. Or you want to go to a movie, but you're not old enough to go to a movie that you think you want to see, or a camp that you want to go to, or the youth group that is so cool, if I could only be in that youth group, even if I'm eight, you know, it would be so wonderful. Well, at least for these next few moments, God, through the Apostle Paul, is speaking directly to you. Now, everybody who's not a child, you're welcome to listen in. But he's speaking here. Specifically, he was talking to the children in the city of Ephesus. And so that means he's also talking to the children of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church as well. And this is the first thing that he says, specifically addressing you children. There's not that many places in the Bible that are specifically for children. But he says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I know you children have heard that before. I know you've been told you need to obey. And I think most of you want to do what is right. But I want you to notice the reason he says you are to obey. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents so that your dad doesn't yell at you. Or he doesn't say, Obey your parents so your mom and dad don't get in a bad mood like they do when you're not obeying them. Or he doesn't say, obey them so that you won't be punished. He says, because it's right. Now, there's a parallel passage. That means another passage over in another book. Uh, and that, that book is Colossians, and it has a verse that is very parallel where this same 
uh, apostle, Paul, was talking to the children in Colossae, and this is the way he puts it. It's a little bit different. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So what he's saying there is that um, if we want to please the Lord, children, you obey. It doesn't, doesn't say obey the Lord there. Obey your parents. And I think most of you really want to please the Lord. And that's how you can do it. And the reason he says that is because how you obey your parents shows God how you will obey Him. And when you obey your parents, it makes Him happy. Now, you parents, this wasn't addressed to you, but you also are responsible to teach them that. I know you are teaching them that. But to not teach them that, I, I am convinced, falls into what he talks about later about don't exasperate your children. If you don't teach them to obey, I think you are provoking them to anger. You will exasperate them if you don't properly teach them that. Now, Paul goes on. Okay, children, you're off the hot seat, all right? But this applies to you too. He goes on and he says that you are also to honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with a promise. But that's where the rest of us come in here as well. Because uh, obedience only takes place up to a certain age. How long are you supposed to obey? Well, you are to obey while you're in your parents' household. And so, for those of you that get married, he, he said uh, earlier in Ephesians, a man, quoting Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There he's talking about a new family being established. That's for those that get married. At that point, the relationship changes with the parents. But if you don't get married, there's still a point where you are your new family. If you're single, there's a point where you are a family. And so, you are no longer responsible to obey, but you're still responsible to honor. And that goes for all of us. By the way, that's one of the ways... One of the things that was different with Christianity, too, we're going to see this in a few minutes, but in Ephesus, in, uh, under Roman law, there never came a point where a man came of age. He was always under his father, no matter how old he was or his father. Paul is redefining in terms of Christianity and the new community. He's basically saying for us, uh, for parents, the, the bringing up stage uh, was never meant to be permanent. There's a point where that part is over and the, the, the aspect of you bringing them up is over with. That's where the honoring 
needs to continue. And then it talks about the promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. And it's a general promise. There are exceptions. There are those that have obeyed and honored their parents, and things didn't go well with them. But in general, society is better off when children are honoring and obeying their parents, and individuals are better off, and families are better off when that's taking place. Now, we have to address the question that is always begged when, uh, when we talk about honoring our mother and father. What if our father or mother is not honorable? Some of you, I'm sorry if you feel this way, but some of you, when, when you heard that command, you said, yeah, but, but you don't know my, my father or my mother. For some of you, it was and is difficult. It could be anything. Irresponsibility. Alcoholism, immorality, being undisciplined, worldly, or even abusers. And yet here, the Scripture says, honor your father and mother. How can I honor that one who by any standards would be considered utterly dishonorable. Well, the thing we need to know is this. We cannot base our honor on how honorable our parents are or we will end up disobeying God at this point. Just like with husbands and wives, It doesn't talk about submission as long as he loves or love as long as she submits or anything like that. The command is specific to us. But how how can we carry it out? Well, know this. It's another place where absolutely you need uh, to be walking in the Spirit in the Holy Spirit, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit of how you can fulfill this even if your mom or your dad is dishonorable. You need God's wisdom. You cannot become a liar in order to honor a parent. So you may need to become a studier of that parent in order to figure out what you can say or do honestly in order to fulfill God's command here of honoring them. At the very least, what you can do is say, I honor you and thank you for your part in me having life. You don't have to go beyond that. That may be about all you can say for some of you. I honor you for 
your part in bringing me into this world. But you've always at all times got to be honest. What if you have no relationship with your parent or parents? Well, if you desire to honor them, you need to pray and ask God to give you an appropriate opportunity, whatever that may be, an appropriate opportunity. Let God know of your desire to be obedient to God himself by honoring and ask him if he desires to actually give you that opportunity. And also you can honor them even if you're estranged from them and it's on their part by not speaking dishonorable words about them to others. What if your parents are deceased and you didn't honor them when they were alive? Well, in that case, your option is this, to repent and ask God's forgiveness, believe in His forgiveness, and move on. There's really nothing beyond that that you can do. Now, these things are about uh, children and their way of submitting, both the obedience and, and the honoring. But then he goes on and he talks about fathers. And this is where, I mean, I, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that children sub, should uh, submit to their uh, mother and father. That's not, that wasn't radically different but now he addresses fathers in this new community. Fathers in Ephesus. And this is what he says in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the question, I know it's Father's Day, and you guys are all fine with, okay, this is a Father's Day sermon in God's providence, but... Why doesn't it say, and mothers? Shouldn't she be addressed here as well? Fathers and mothers, don't provoke your children to anger. Well, a couple of things. I think the wife is included here in the sense that all of the immediately preceding verses were talking to the parents and about the parents. So I think by its, its nature that uh, the wife is included here. In fact, the word could be uh, uh, parents. It really is specifically fathers, but it could be parents in this sense. Like when uh, someone might address a congregation and say brothers, meaning brothers and sisters. So in that uh, generic sense that could be there. But I don't want us to ignore that Paul specifically speaks to fathers. Speaking of the ideal, and he had just emphasized that the husband is the head of the home, didn't he, in the, uh, in the previous part. So the husband is going to be, in many cases, the father and so here's how I look at it for my family. 
Someday I am going to be the one standing before God and answering for my family. My wife, Connie, will be responsible for her actions, her part in the children. But as the role that God has given to me as the head of the home, according to the Scripture, I'm going to have to stand and answer for my family. So here he speaks to the fathers pertaining to that. And he says in verse 4, Do not provoke your children to anger. Some of your versions say, Do not exasperate your children. Now, in the, in the time when this was written, uh, historians tell us about uh, the patria potestas. And that is pertaining to uh, the Roman father. And, and I'm telling you this so you can see how radically different this was from the way all the fathers in Ephesus would have been, the way the, those in the Ephesian church would have been prior to coming to Christ. This is what the patria potestas, uh, the practice was. The father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in the fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on his child if he wanted to. And as I said earlier, the power of the Roman father extended over the child during their whole life, as long as the father lived. So in Ephesus, a son never came of age, never uh, began his own family outside of being under the father. So I'm convinced that's why Paul gave such specific instructions for how they, are, uh, how they now needed to treat their children. So he, in essence, he was saying, don't do what the rest of our city and the rest of our culture is doing. Don't do what maybe was your model growing up. Instead, you are not to provoke them to anger. You are not to exasperate them. Because we are a part of the new community. We're redefining what it is to be a father. Now that you're a believer, this is how you act. Too often, some have had the view that, that Christianity was responsible for uh, putting down women, oppressing women, and oppressing children, and and that kind of a, a, a thing, and, and even slaves, and that'll be talked about next week. But history tells us just the opposite. It was actually Christianity that lifted women to their rightful place in terms of their dignity and being image bearers of God. It was actually Christianity that said, these children too, these are image bearers of God. And therefore, you are not to treat them like property. 
You're not to do what the rest of society is doing. And then he gives the alternative of what they are to do. Now let me just give you some examples of ways that uh, children can be provoked to anger. When, when a father or parents over-punish, Scripture's clear that discipline is good. God, our Father, disciplines us. But He does so lovingly, correctively, and not out of anger, and not oppressively. Even a good and right thing, like like uh, discipline, can go too far. So the idea is to, to change wrong behavior without breaking the child's spirit. Or we can provoke our children to anger with unreal expectations. How often are fathers guilty of putting such expectations on their children that there is no way in this life that they could live up to them. I will never forget when one of our sons, I have two sons, when one of them, uh, it, this is how vivid it is because it was a number of years ago, was, was playing t-ball. And these were four and five-year-olds. And I'm not saying I always behaved on the sidelines, but I do remember one father pointing out to his son and saying, he's got the makings of a major leaguer, and I'm going to do everything that it takes to get him there. Imagine that. He was doomed. Doomed to failure. And what we found out over the course of the season, season was that the father himself thought he had the makings of a major leaguer. But he hadn't gotten the breaks that he needed in order to get there, but he was going to see to it that his son got there. Now, as far as I know, we never played ball with them again. I don't even know if that, that boy played as far as high school. But I do know in the various sports my children were in, when that kind of pressure was put on them, I saw many burn out before they ever got to high school. Provoking to anger with unreal expectations. We can also do it when we overprotect. That's almost the other side of the, the coin. When we baby them, never give them the freedom or the, the tools to learn life's lessons. Laying down rules and uh, uh, without teaching them discernment, what I would call teaching them discerning decision-making. So we need to be preparing our children in that way, or we, we can overprotect when it's out of a fear of not wanting to disappoint them or to say no to our child and not give them the proper boundaries that they need. You know, they need boundaries for security. They don't know that, and they're not going to admit to that. But they need those boundaries. There was a, a 
study uh, by criminologists at uh, Harvard Law School, studied 2,500 male offenders. They found that delinquents and criminals tend to come from homes in which discipline is either over-strict or erratic, one end or the other. We can also provoke to anger when we idolize our children. Now, I don't know anybody that would say, yes, my child is my idol. We seldom admit what our idols are. But if one or more of your children dominate the family agenda, think about that. Joseph Epstein, in an article called that kindergarki, I love that term, kindergarki, rule by children, He says this, under kindergarten, all arrangements are centered on children, their schooling, their lessons, their predilections, their care and feeding, and general high maintenance. Children are the name of the game, which basically makes parents indentured servants to their children. Ultimately, that will exasperate them and provoke them. To anger. And so what's the other side? What do you do? I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you. Because he doesn't just say, don't do that. He says, instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if you're here with your children, you're, you're doing the right thing. If this is your priority, If you're saying, this reinforces what I am teaching at home, and so my sons and daughters will be here. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline means instruction or teaching or correction. And instruction means admonition, reprimand, or warning. They're closely related. Where does a godly father get those instructions? Right here in what we're studying. Right here in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians and in the Gospels and in the Old Testament. Through and through there are principles that we teach our children that will in every case bring the balance so that we don't fall off one end or the other. And then... We have to walk in the Spirit. Utterly depending upon the Holy Spirit in us. Some final reminders for all of us here. I would never underestimate the influence of parents. But if your child is not walking with the Lord, it's not necessarily your fault. not trying to let anyone off the hook that should be there. But think through. We all know of families where uh, there'll be several godly children and one rebellious. Ultimately, a child that grows into an adult is responsible for their own actions. After all, we see it throughout the Scripture. Godly parents with an ungodly child or even children It happened to Adam and Eve. 
their first child a murderer. And so sometimes we just have to recognize that's the outworking of their own heart. Don't give up. Continue to pray for them. But continue to walk in the Spirit in your own life. Secondly, children, young and old, if you did not have godly parents, it hurts them and probably you, but it's not an excuse for you to walk in an ungodly manner. You can't say, well, it was because of my mom, my dad. You are responsible for your actions before the Lord. And then understand this, as was mentioned earlier. All of us had flawed parents. Every one of us. I had great parents, but they were sinners. I am a flawed father. No one knows that better than me. But if we are a child of the living God by trusting in Jesus Christ for our eternal life, we have a flawless father who is in heaven. The same father Jesus had. And that's our great hope and that's our great confidence to go forth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your instruction that is so gracious, so honest. Will you help us, Lord, to submit ourselves to you first and then rightfully to one another? And that includes our children as we lovingly bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.